All right, I wanted to say just a couple things first on the first reading. And then what was the meaning of what Jesus was talking about with Elijah and Elisha to get fury out of the people? Well, first of all, let's go back to the first reading that Brother Ben did. Um, it's interesting because that is where most Protestants, not all Protestants, believe in the rapture. In fact, we Catholics believe in a form of the rapture, but not in the way that most Protestants do. And then even within the Protestants, there's different views of the rapture. But it's interesting because the rapture in the way that most non-Catholics view it, like you hear the Left Behind series and things like that, actually came, it's not scriptural, it came from a guy named John Nelson Darby in England in the 1820s. So when it was formed. And he got it from a 15-year-old schoolgirl in Scotland who had a vision of the end of the world. Kind of amazing that millions, hundreds of millions of people follow that as revealed theology. It's not. It's from a 15-year-old schoolgirl in Scotland in the 1800s. And so when we're challenged in our Catholic faith, one of the big ones is the rapture. A lot of people say this. Remember that bumper sticker? You've probably all seen it. Warning, in case of the rapture, this car will be unmanned. What's the belief is that all of, during the rapture, the good will be taken away, swooped up into the clouds. That's what Brother Ben just read. Well, Father, if it's in the Bible, then, well, let's look at this. First of all, if they're swooped up, and the gospel says two will be in the bed, two will be at the mill, one will be taken, one will be left. See, Father, the rapture is scriptural. Well, interesting. Yes, one will be taken, one will be left. But Scott Hahn says it's the opposite. He said the bad will be taken, the good will be left. That's the opposite of what many Protestants, not all, please don't send the letters, not all. So Scott Hahn points to Noah. He said, what happened at the time of Noah? The good were left, the bad were taken. And so this point on what we as Catholics are told, we don't believe in the rapture of the Bible, you have to really understand it. Again, all these examples we give from our Catholic faith is scriptural. Um, Scott Hahn pointed out that the person that was left behind is the righteous, not the taken. And this matters, as I just said, what happened with Noah, the righteous were left. So anyway, those passages that I just referenced are the basis of some Protestants that use for the rapture. And another one is one Brother Ben just read, 1 Thessalonians 4.13. This is the Protestant basis for rapture. Now, what's interesting is what makes that one unique is the fact that, again, some Protestants, not all Protestants, believe that it's a secret rapture and that it'll be done in secret and that Jesus will come again before his final coming. You can't have two second comings of Christ. Secondly, it can't be in secret because this version of Paul, and it says what Brother Ben just read, the dead in Christ will rise first, 
then we who are alive, who are left, shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we shall always be with the Lord. Now, again, those Protestants, some, not all, will use that and saying it's a secret rapture. It's just quiet that only those who are informed will be told of it. Well, that goes against Matthew 24, verse 30, and Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, who say, all will see it. All will see the Lord coming. The difference is this. Father, if you're saying that both Catholics and non-Catholics agree that Jesus will come and the righteous will join him, the difference is that'll be at the end of time. There will not be a rapture where Jesus comes and then comes a second time. You see the difference? Some Protestants, not all Protestants, you can see I get bombarded with letters on this, so I have to be very clear 25 times over. <laughs> and that is there won't be two second comings of Christ. There will only be one second coming of Christ. So in a way, there will be a rapture in our belief as Catholics, but when Christ comes and those justified will join him. Because remember, if you're alive at the time of Christ, there will be in the end of the world, you will join him if you are prepared and righteous. But there won't be a coming of Christ in the secret rapture and then a period of time, and then Christ comes a second time. Christ doesn't come twice, excuse me, he doesn't come the second time twice. And so this is purified, or I'm sorry, explained. So <clears throat> people say, well, the book of Revelation, Father. Well, no, the book of Revelation is not about the rapture and the Antichrist. In fact, the Antichrist isn't even mentioned in the book of Revelation. It's mentioned elsewhere, but not in the book of Revelation. And the rapture is not mentioned in the book of Revelation. What is the book of Revelation about? The mass. The mass. Scott Hahn's work called The Last of the Lamb's Supper is a phenomenal work that talks about the masses on every page of the book of Revelation. Everything. And I've done a whole talk on that on YouTube if you'd like to see it. So that's the first thing I wanted to point out, and that is the rapture. But the next is what the heck is going on with people getting so angry at Jesus for bringing up Elijah and Elisha? Well, let's look at this. First of all, Jesus went to the synagogue, it says here. I find this is interesting. I wanted to point this out because we talked about this in seminary class, in my scripture classes. And we had many scripture classes in seminary. But Jesus would go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. First of all, keep holy Sunday, right? The Lord's day. And it basically is funny because he must have disagreed with many things that was going on in the Jewish faith at the time. Well, I don't like that they're doing this, so I'm not going to church. Well, Jesus probably didn't like what was going on either. And yet he went to worship. That's funny because if anybody didn't need to go to worship, it was Jesus. He's God, yet he did. So we don't think we need to? I don't need a church. Well, Jesus did. The synagogue was their version of the house of worship. And so he must have disagreed, like I said, with many things, but yet he still went. We should too, even if we disagree. Disagree with the Pope or some of our bishops. 
especially closing the churches. Yeah, we can disagree, but we still need to go. Jesus told St. Faustina that obedience is the key, not just blind obedience, but being obedient to the church Christ gave us. So if anyone, as I said, didn't need to go to church, it was Jesus, but he did. Let that be an example to us. Anyway, what angered the people, why did they get all upset at Jesus for Elijah and Elisha? What angered them was he appeared he was complimenting the Gentiles. Now, Elisha, Elisha and Elijah were not Gentiles. They were Jews. But it said the only people who were sent to them were two Gentiles, a widow and Naaman. And so this is like... <clears throat> The Jews saying, wait a minute, you're saying a Gentile got preferential treatment and were sent to Elijah and Elisha before a Jew? Yeah, that's what Jesus was saying. And so the Jews were angry. They were so sure that they were God's chosen people that they despised all others. They believed that God had created the Gentiles to be fuel for the fires of hell. What's a Gentile? Non-Jew. So let us think that God, or I guess I, I should say, let us not think that God can use people other than ourselves because we, yes, we have the fullness of the truth. You hear me teach it all the time. You'll hear me regularly teach why we have the fullness of the truth in our Catholic faith, and we do. But don't think that that's our automatic ticket to heaven. It's not. We too have to work out our fear and with sal our salvation with fear and trembling. And in fact, to whom much is given, much more is expected. Remember the parable of the talents? He gave this guy 10, this guy five, and this guy one. Well, the fact is the guy with 10 had to make 10 more. The guy with one, he only expected to make one more. To whom much is given, much more is expected. So we have to keep that in mind. Well, anyway, um, so let's not think that God can't use people, other people, because he can. Now, our openness uh, to a message often depends a lot on the messenger. Does it not? Have you ever, and I've always pointed this out, rejected somebody's advice, but if it would have come from somebody else, the exact same advice, you would accept it. I just told that to my father. I says, you know, the one person you listen to is your brother, and God bless, he, he, he should. But I could give him the exact same advice and he wouldn't listen, but his brother gives it to him, guaranteed. And that's okay to some degree, but we don't want to do that. We want to first listen to what the message is, no matter who the messenger is. And so why do I bring that up? Because sometimes we've disregarded a light from God because it came from a source that we don't think is worthy. Sometimes we come from a source that we don't like. This is the error of Nazarenes, the Nazarenes here that felt Christ was just one of them. He came from Nazareth. Well, what good could come from Nazareth? So they weren't giving him, they were looking at the messenger <laughs> and what a messenger it was, the son of God. But they were looking at the messenger and saying, you just, you're just a son of Joseph. He's from Nazareth. You're just one of us. It's kind of like at companies. I'll give another example. When I worked as an engineer at TRW, 
we had a great engineer there, a guy who had worked there for many years, one of the last that could do it without a college degree. And he was an engineer, worked as an engineer, but he didn't have a college degree. But was probably one of the smartest men I ever knew. And he had been saying something for years. They never listened, they never did anything. Because you're just one of us. You're just a farmer. You're just a local guy. And all of a sudden they paid this consultant from Cleveland to come in. Tons of money, thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars. And they basically say the same thing. And then the management jumps on it. Oh, we got to do this. Because it came from this different messenger from the outside. Not one of, not one of us. He's just, he's just one of us. He can't matter. And that's how they view Jesus. So when your own family or your best friend says, you know what, you got to look at this. And you're just like, eh. But if somebody else tells you, you're like, oh man, I got to listen. You might be missing the message from God given through that first one. And I think that's important. So this is the point. The trap of focusing more on the messenger than on the message is troublesome. And that's what's happening with a lot of priests. Priests could be teaching the word of God, but because somebody doesn't maybe like, <laughs> this would be me, the homily's too long, or some other people might not like the fact that they see this priest doing, watching sports or something, and they don't think that's holy, therefore they neglect the message. The priest might be given the perfect message, the word of God but they don't like it because of something else this priest is doing. Don't lose the sight of the message because you necessarily disagree with the messenger. Sometimes God uses messengers that we don't even like. Sometimes it's people we have a tough time with, but don't think that it's only about the messenger. Listen to the message. This is precisely why Christ brought up the example of Naaman from Syria. During the time of Elisha, many people in Israel suffered from leprosy. But God did not send any of them to Elisha. None of the Jews. He sent Naaman, a Gentile, a foreigner, to Elisha. What happened? Elisha cured him. So Jesus used this example to show that the prophets do not have much honor among their own people. This is why Jesus says a prophet is honored everywhere else but his own home country. That's the one place they're not honored. And so this is interesting. So he actually, and people say, well, Jesus says he, you know, he can't work a miracle. Even God can't work a miracle because the faith of the people. Actually, he did do a miracle here. He escaped, disappeared from their midst without explanation. He became invisible. And so he was not taken by the Jews. He actually could have escaped. Jesus could have escaped the cross, but he chose not to. He delivered himself up. So when he wanted to, he could escape. When he wanted to, he could be captured. And when the time was right, he allowed himself to be captured. So when he wills it, he does it. And the fact is, he went willingly to be captured, not long after this. This is why him going to the cross is the greatest act of love. He gave up his life willingly. That's the definition of love. 
to give up your life willingly for the sake of another. I've pointed to soldiers. I told you the story about my father when the nuns taught him that a soldier who dies in battle would go to heaven. My dad asked us, that's true. And I said, well, it's not church teaching, but it makes sense because no greater love hath a man than to give up his life for another. And so some of those people who are seeing the ultimate sacrifice, let's pray for especially those in Afghanistan, those who are trying to help those people who are there, those who are trying to bring peace to the region, and especially our service um, um, personnel who lost their life in the bombing. Let us pray for them. Let us ask Lord to have mercy on them because in a way their very being there was laying down their life willingly for us so that we might have our freedom. So let us remember and let us ask Father Seraphim on this day, the day of his birthday, to intercede for us and especially in all those areas that are in such need of God's mercy. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.